Could you please tell us exactly what happened? Well, there was a boom. Uh, it was a couple nights ago, a boom and a flash of light and a vibration. And we came out and we saw this uh, large uh, rock. Horrible. And, uh, it was, and, uh, oh, my God. Couldn't somebody have given me a comb? Jesus. Arkham resident Nathan Gardner, who claims that an unidentified flying object landed in his UFO witness? You said UFO. I didn't say UFO. Oh, for fuck's sake. Teresa, can you get out of here, please? Take one of the cans off your ear, like Mariah Carey. Yeah. Like, put your yeah. finger to the. Yeah, that, that's the, the, the whole Zoom call. Jake's just like talk, just doing this the whole time. He, he's got his <laughs> finger in his ear, kind of. No, just vibing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just vibing. Um, well, okay, so I, yeah, I was gonna say I I was looking at it, and we have, um. Uh, depending on you know what gets released after like like we, what hasn't been announced like i don't know but in terms of like what's been announced we have 11 more movies and two more tv shows in which are the swear words tv show and the the untitled joe exotic pro- project but um but that's it and I, okay. I, I haven't actually corroborated this since I read it like four, three or four days ago. But I think uh-huh. Cage is off the Exotic Project now, and they cast oh, really? someone else. I, I oh think, really? I think that's the latest news. Well, yeah. okay, but there's two Joe Exotic projects in the works. Wait, was I and, reading about the other one then? Well, well, no, I don't know. But there's there's another one happening. So if if that's still happening. I don't know why Cage would be off it because the stunt casting is is the reason. I mean, we already had the documentary; like, it already doesn't need to exist. So, like, you know, what's yeah. the fucking point if we're not going to get to see Cage doing that? Did Cage quit one project and then join the other one? Yeah, I don't. I don't think he quits projects at this point. <laughs> I I feel like they just kind of like like his agent just sends him stuff. He says like yes or no, and then shows up. You know, like I I I don't think he I don't think he's d- discerning enough to like walk off of something at this point. Yeah, it's. I mean, I feel like if he had done it, he would have done it by now. Right. Yeah. With yeah. some of these other things, like I'm sure he's having a blast doing Joe Exotic more so than doing I don't know a score to settle or whatever. Right. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. He, he gets to do a funny voice and like all the that weird character stuff that he loves, and uh, yeah, it's it's like made for him. But no, I don't think I've ever heard of him walking off of a project. I think he usually just like he he like <laughs> reads a script and he's like uh here's how i see it uh i get to do this that and the other thing and then people either say yes or no to him and then he <laughs> he's not there that's kind of impressive that there's never been an example of had to leave midway due to creative differences or is there because uh, he's exactly the kind of actor that would like annoy a director enough to get fired off of a set <laughs> He's not that kind of diva. Yeah, I think other people kick him off of the set. I don't think he leaves. Right, right. I, I, I think it's almost like a, a, a point of pride, too, like in his professionalism. You know what I yeah. mean? That, like that he won't walk off, that he just won't walk off a set. 
Like he'll just no. he'll get the job done because that's what he's yeah. there for. Yeah, I think co- that's completely right. I think he's he's like uh yeah he co- he shows up with his lines learned and he hits the marks and like if he's having fun you can tell and if he's not you can also tell. But it you know at the end of the day his his name is uh, uh you know up above the title so like that's already like half the work that's half the reason he got hired. Uh, You'd rather do a it, job lazily than not at all. Yeah, sure. totally. Yeah. totally. He's Absolutely. that kind of pro. As long as I'm on screen at all. Yeah. Dave, yeah. was that a, a Lovecraft book that you were thumbing through? Yeah, well, so I, my dad was a huge Lovecraft fan, and, and I'm a, a, a big Lovecraft fan as well. And uh, he, and subsequently I, have the copy of the Necronomicon that they use in this movie. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, which is, uh, you know, for people who aren't Lovecraft heads, that the Necronomicon is the uh, evil book that's part of the Lovecraft mythos that uh, the the mad Arab something something Al something um, wrote in, and uh, you know it it forms like a a big part of the mythos where people read uh, you know evil things out of it and summon beings from other dimensions and whatever. But in the seventies, uh, sort of uh cashing in on um Lovecraft's growing popularity with uh hippies and weirdos like my dad um they some just some pseudonymous pseudonymous some guy named Simon um put out a version of the Necronomicon which is the one in the movie which is not that it's it's just some like it's sort not of related pilfer- to lovecraft like it's at all. no it, it's just some he sort of like pilfered some like kind of like wiccan type uh spells and stuff and drawings and put them into a, a pretty boring book but um but it looks cool which yeah. is why they use it as a prop i i couldn't find my copy um but yeah it's like the same the same one that they have i did find my copy of the color out of space though <laughs> oh cool wow that's a great um, cover yeah yeah uh, uh, classic all the lovecraft paperbacks yeah. uh that i inherited from my dad i i kept because they all the colors and the fonts and the designs of them are just gorgeous <laughs> um but yeah i'm i'm excited to talk about lovecraft and uh to talk about this film i i would say i don't know how you feel miles but um i would say this is the third best cage film of the 2010s i think think i agree with you on that one uh mandy and spider-man above it for me yeah actually actually that makes sense it's definitely uh as far away from the other movie that jake talked uh about with us uh (laughs) which is a good segue to bring our guest on uh jake robinson thank you for coming back and uh doing this do-over with us (laughs) yeah Yeah, movie where there's more to there's there's more to say than two scenes that also had barely anything to say about (laughs) this is this is a this this is a film rich with cage (laughs) yes yeah, uh, I mean, all we had to say about uh, the last one you were on, which was Vengeance, a love story, is just like putting our head into our hands and just sort of like slowly shaking our heads. <laughs> like, there's just <laughs> like we, we I mean, if we gave all of our guests who were on a bad f- film episode a do over, um, we would have to give many of our guests <laughs> do overs. Have but- you seen a movie worse? Have you seen no, a movie worse than Vengeance of Love Story since? <laughs> no, see, that's the thing is I th- we've had guests on before that have been 
that have had to watch bad movies, but the experience of watching and talking about how bad they were was fun. Whereas yes. with the yes. movie you did, it was, I just remember like the, it's just a when, bummer. It's just, just such upsetting. A bummer. It Beyondly just, upsetting. <laughs> yes. But that's what you get sometimes when you go into these blind where it's just like, and anyway, thanks for being a trooper, Jake. I appreciate it. Cause I just like threw oh, this you. one at you. And I was like, I've n- I don't know anything about this, but you want to be on this one? Yeah. I, I mean, it was brought up in the last podcast, but I insisted that we watched it together because I just knew I could not, I was never right. going to be able to sit through this one alone. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I, from what I'd been hearing from people who'd seen it, I waited to watch it for the podcast because I just figured it would be good. And I knew that I'd come around to see it. And I, I kind of wanted to come in fresh for, um, I like, uh, I, I thought this would be a good one. And so, you know, from, obviously we haven't seen i don't know jujitsu or primal or grand isle or any of the other stinkers on the horizon yet but um there is a very real possibility that you watched the last good nicholas cage movie with us jake (laughs) this this might be a love story yeah. No, no, this. <laughs> color, yeah, exactly. No, this might be the end of the road as far as uh as far as good ones. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> I'm I'm still holding out hope for Crudes too, but what do I know? Yeah, hey, who knows? I heard um, Crudes 2 was actually all right. <laughs> maybe maybe that will be one of one of the four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, number 4. I mean, Crudes 1 was better than I thought it would be, so uh, who who knows? But I yeah, I mean, I don't want to gas this one up too much. I I to have like quibbles with it but um but it's fun and there's stuff to talk about i think a lot of stuff to talk about so ooh, you I, know where we should start huh uh hit that panther roar for me oh shit yeah dude hold up all right i'll, I'll give you a drum roll stupid Uh, all right yeah all right where should we start for real uh well we should start maybe with the fact that um so there's there's all sorts of like thing like complicated things going on with the director and his like history in hollywood yes yeah let's talk about richard stanley you know like i I feel like that's probably a good place to start because there's some ground to cover and i think it informs why and how this movie got made so yeah um yeah so what is his history uh so he is a uh south south african filmmaker I believe. <laughs> oh that's what that accent is uh but he basically like uh he made this one movie that i've seen called hardware uh in the early oh, 90s yeah. and yes then, which yeah, is about, really really cool um and then he a made a robot uh-huh definitely yeah and that movie's so, great it's full of Good all soundtrack. kinds of yeah great i mean yes. like it, it's super uh, it appeals to my like weird like dystopian cyberpunk aesthetics, right. which is kind of cool. Uh, yeah, and, and and it's it looks a little handmade in like the best way. Right, like the practical so, effects and the robot models and uh, shit are like amazing. They so they good. look DIY, but the whole aesthetic but, is like very spot on. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it works because right. like yeah, it's a DIY robot killer robot. <laughs> uh, and then he made like I think one or two other more independent kind of horror or sci-fi yeah, genre movies. Yeah, made and one then called he, Dust Devil. Um, 
Yeah, I don't uh, remember what anyway, else. Anyway, but the, and then and then in the mid '90s, it got tapped to do the Doctor Moreau <laughs> remake. Yes, which uh, have you guys seen the '90s Island of Doctor Moreau? It's been a long time. I have not, but <laughs> this I've is been not the... meaning to watch it. Like, I've this seen the is... documentary about it though. Yeah, which is Jay, great. Oh, Jake, yeah. you got you gotta. Um, this is not the first time we've talked about this movie on this podcast because um True. behind nicholas cage we just love talking about val kilmer <laughs> for some reason val kilmer comes for some up reason and val yeah. kilmer the next, is he the next actor that you go through his entire filmography of we we, we actually talked about it <laughs> as as cage is wrapping up you yeah. know he needs to think of another actor I think it would be too punishing. Like, I, I think it would just be too sad. Like, there's some there's some highs for sure. But, like, the, the around, like, the Dr. Moreau, like, into the 2000s and the 2010s, like, I just don't think I can do it. Uh, <laughs> but Dr. Moreau is, uh, you know, um, uh, as far as, like, cinematic, just absolute batshit, like... Um, a movie where everything went wrong and everything that went wrong is on the screen. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, with, I guess, the other end of that being, like, Apocalypse Now, where everything went wrong and yet it's a fucking masterpiece. Like, Notice, Dr. Noticing, a through, no, noticing a through line here between Apocalypse Now and Dr. Moreau. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, fucking Dr. Moreau is, like, just all the worst decisions uh, and uh, all in the middle of it you have val kilmer and uh um marlon brando marlon brando uh giving quite a performance um that yeah it's anyway that movie killed richard stanley's career uh he, he got kicked off of it after only i think it was like a week not even that much time but like a couple days or a week in a principal photography, they basically removed him. They kicked him off of the oh. set, like off of the island they were filming. They like, they like, like exported they him. him. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were like, get out of here. Uh, and then it kind Why? Of, Why? What did he do that, that pissed they, them I, off? He, I don't the know. Movie, I, he was trying to make a movie too good. Yeah, I think it was just one of those examples. I mean, you should, I, I would encourage people to watch the documentary. Jake, do you remember the name of it off the top of your head? I don't. Um, I can't remember either. Anyway, it's it, it. They made a documentary maybe five or seven years ago about like the the failed production of this movie, and it's it's one of those movies like Joe like documentaries like Joe like Dune. Dune or something where it's like here was this crazy movie we could have gotten, right? Uh, and these are all the ways where it like went wrong, uh, and, right? And it's it's a really interesting um, you know, peek behind uh the way that a, a production can just completely go sideways because there's like too many cooks in a kitchen. You know what I mean? What a, what a spectacular, like last movie, like the movie that just like kills it, your Hollywood career. Like the movie where Marlon Brando has an Island full of animal human hybrids <laughs> that are like fucking and sucking and fighting. And like, <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just too much. But so, yeah, so I guess he got kicked off and then he um, just was done with Hollywood for a minute. Yeah. Well, like for 20 until, years. Until this movie. I know he had a couple like writing or producing credits on a on a few other things here and there in the intervening years. But this The Color Out of Space is the his first movie in like 20 something years. Um, so. And it was a success. Like yeah. the um, it's so much so that uh, I guess he's doing a 
sort of sequel. He's adapting the Dunwich Horror next, another classic Lovecraft. Classic. Have uh, you seen the uh, story? Have you seen the Dean Stockwell movie? I have. <laughs> I have. Well, okay. So let's let's talk about Lovecraft in film because, like, I think Lovecraft is uh, famously like very hard to adapt well um, because the when people talk about like Lovecraftian horror, they are referring to, I think his. I mean, his whole stock and trade is the idea that they're ancient and otherworldly other extra dimensional evils that and powers that uh when humanity um glimpses them they go mad and and so usually that's like uh you know they'll like (laughs) sort of his favorite thing to do is like somebody saw something and it was so fucking crazy that they you can't even explain it right <laughs> and that's that's like that's the lovecraftian horror he's the one author where he'll just he won't describe something like he'll just tell you like he's like and then they and it's then he saw something that he that his brain couldn't comprehend and he was sent like raving stark raving mad yeah and then and, you're and like it, yeah but what like what was it what did he see like <laughs> for me like it works like gangbusters too because he he, he knows how to like um, the the pacing of his stories is is good in a way where you just sort of you sort of feel like you're going mad. Like he likes to sort of like begin to pile it on where like, but but what he's piling on is like someone is looking at something and like the angles are all wrong. Like he loves like the angles or in color out of space. Like literally, the it's centering around a color that is not of an earthly like on the earthly color spectrum like it's some somewhere out beyond what we can see so already you know making a film like this you're a little handicapped because you can't do that you can't show someone something that is indescribable like it's impossible (laughs) to do it's and the case um, of this movie the color is bisexual lighting yeah (laughs) (laughs) indescribable yeah and well i guess he was saying that he um he picked pink and or kind of like magenta because um it's like close to like uv or like infrared like mm-hmm. the color spe- like around the edges of what um the eye can actually see uh which is clever i guess uh i mean i i to me it doesn't read as space it reads as like i don't know neon but like i it's it's kind of cool it, it looks neat you don't see a lot of like um very purple horror movies so right well and and that's the th- nice and the thing that i think is is interesting about it is the way they incorporate it it's almost when the other plants and weird mutant insects and things are growing the the colors incorporated into those things those things like the flora and fauna that grow too so that it it, and you know like you said you don't see those kind of colors out in nature very often and yeah you know especially not the northeast not in not those woods like you know that kind of shit doesn't come up so but but you know like people try to adapt lovecraft and and sometimes it's amazing and sometimes it's not um Richard Stanley was saying that the thing is like a big, uh, very clear influence uh, on this. And that's not a a Lovecraft adaptation, but it's sort of like, um, you know, once again, you're dealing with sort of something that is, doesn't 
that's shapeless, <laughs> like a shapeless oh, horror. Right. Um, I, I mean, another... that's interesting because like this movie definitely does like takes a lot of stuff from the thing, even though yep. the thing is clearly very inspired by Color Out of Space. So it's like, it's like oh, what's influencing so? what at this point? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think there's a lot of, there's like a few scenes that definitely feel like, well, not a nod to the thing, but like mm-hmm. clearly like it's taking something from the thing. But yeah. And well, and, and kind of the, the like this uh, premise, the, the basic premise is because it's so foundational to a lot of horror, like it feels very familiar. The idea that like, you know, there is, we're in rural somewhere and there is some sort of, um, uh, I don't want to say not infection. There's there's like a pollutant that is now just making everything wrong. And like where, why, what's where's the root of it? How do we stop it before we all go mad? Like you see that in um, a, a lot of horror. This I think movie does the siege narrative really well um, mm-hmm. because it's the kind of thing where it's like they're they are pretty much just stuck not just in the house, but like kind of on the, on the farm and the property, you know, they, yeah. like they, they don't go really any farther than Tommy Chong's like hut. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. and, and you haven't so, mentioned that Tommy Chong's in this movie. Oh yes. Yeah. Also like ace, ace cameo by Tommy Chong. Yeah. Seriously. Oh, man. <laughs> um, I forget. I literally forget every time I see this movie. <laughs> and then, then he shows up. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Hey <laughs> man. Right. You're like, Oh my God, it's Tommy Chong. <laughs> um oh oh no but but like what i was saying is i that kind of siege narrative is like is some of the best horror uh like plot devices you could use because you know any kind of like horrific situation like that is only going to be made worse by the fact that you can't go anywhere like you're basically stuck waiting for this thing to come at you you know right. what I you're, mean? Yeah. You're defending your your home. You're de- or you're defending what's familiar, and um, but the way that the the enemy is breaking down the barriers is by taking everything that's familiar and distorting it into something that you don't recognize, and um, that's you know that that's really ripe for someone with like a strong sort of visual identity, like some someone who can really do interesting visual things, it's making to, everything to play purple. With. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It takes things, purple. makes them purple. Things aren't supposed to be purple. <laughs> sticks them together. Um, blows them apart. Yeah. All that. The I, I would say one of the most successful Lovecraft adaptations is Reanimator. Um mm-hmm. it's not I it doesn't succeed in in uh adapting like a it, uh, the feel of a Lovecraft story. Cause that movie just feels like a, a sleazy, like body horror um, romp, which is amazing. It's great. But, um, but the, that's, that is a literal Lovecraft adaptation. Um, and I know there's some more that I'm, I, I, that actually work, but for the most part, if you're like looking for a, like a movie explicitly uh, doing the Lovecraft, uh, Lovecraft story, most of them are pretty fucking bad yeah. and in, instead there's there's a bunch of movies that sort of borrow lovecraftian sort of cause or it's called cosmic horror they they borrow those ideas and themes and make better movies but his stories are like that he wasn't he was writing before film like he he's not a, a writer who was thinking 
like like a film. So if you do something like this, like this movie, like takes the premise and is incredibly liberal with it because you have to be. You you can't. The way yeah. that he writes is too sort of um, abstract. St- abstract and and sort of stuffy like it's he writes the way that a lot of early horror writers would write which is like more like somebody giving an account of something that happened it doesn't have the the beats and the structure of a movie it's more just like uh it's it's like a scary story or a you know where it's just like this thing happened once in this town like did you hear and then and then that also gives you the space to sort of be like to 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 wink at something to say, Oh yeah, he went into the barn and he saw something that was unbelievable and he would never talk about it again, you know, and just leave it at that. (laughs) But, uh, you can't do that with this, uh, a movie. So instead you, they invented alpacas. That was the indescribable alpacas in. Yeah. And instead you, you just have to sort of go balls to the wall and, uh, that he he does yeah it, and, it does and i think i've never read the story i've read the s- synopsis of this of the story but from what i understand this movie captures less the literal like beats and plot points of the story but seems to do a good job in conveying the kind of psychological state of the character yeah. like as you're yes. reading it uh which, which is that's hard to do yeah. right yeah uh, and it's also a scary movie. Also, it also just effectively operates as like a good horror movie. Um, yeah, yeah, it's got some good stuff in it. I was surprised by the slow burn of it. Um, even though you know what's happening, it you know, I mean, it really until the uh, until the the mom and the son get attacked, mm-hmm. that pretty much that's up until that point, you're you really have like no fucking idea what's going on. Like you really yeah. have no clue where this movie is going. I would. I mean, I, I'll I'll nitpick it later as we get into the thing. Like, I didn't I didn't love love this movie. Like, I, th- I it, it's pretty good. It's like it's worth watching, and um, I think it's good enough that it will be remembered. Like, I think people will like it. it it's earned a place in beyond just like a weird Nicolas Cage movie. Like, I think it's a, one of the a cool horror movies from the last decade. Like, it's pretty good, but. Um, I, I think that moment where the mom and the son come together, it, come together, well, uh, where they get attacked and and get fused into some crazy beast, is like that's sort of like that's when the action sort of peaks, and it's also when the movie starts to lose its footing a little bit in my mm-hmm. mind. But we'll get into it. Let's let's actually just go back to the beginning, the beginning, and sort of go through it like. Uh, What's this movie about? It's about uh, a color. It's about a purple color. Uh-huh. It's about, um, it's about some, some uh, it's a <laughs> <laughs> It's some rave lighting that comes out yeah. of the sky. Did you and, notice uh, that the that the intro is a lot like the intro to Mandy? Yes, I did notice that. I actually made a note of it. I think color palette-wise, this movie and Mandy are very similar. Yeah. Well, Mandy's I, like really very red, and right. this is like very purple. Purple, and I, I, I think that uh, the posters would look good together, or yeah, something, they, something like that. You know what I mean? It's like they color, would color wise. Uh, anyway, Cage. I didn't, sorry, I, I, I didn't. I'm I'm gonna derail us before we even fine. start. But I I didn't realize that um, 
this movie, Mandy and Mom and Dad, were all made by XYZ Films, I, which I don't know what that is, but um, they uh, some they're the people who are putting Cage in some of his like most interesting uh, art house horror grindhouse kind of That's shit. Spe- Spectre Vision too. Spectre Vision oh, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Elijah who, Woods. Who are they? That's Elijah oh. Woods Production Company. Yes, God bless them. They're, they're <laughs> doing God's work. They're really helping us out here, at least. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, so Nick Cage and his family live on a uh, little a little farmhouse um, in uh, around Arkham or somewhere in New England um, in Lovecraft Country. And uh, it's call, they call it Arkham County, but that is not a real place. I don't think. No, right? well, yeah, did, did the, Love, I think Lovecraft, that's a Lovecraft yeah. place. Yeah, he, he made Just, a bunch of um, like New England towns up for his stories. <laughs> there's something Stephen King too. There's something about the Northeast mm-hmm. that like really makes things more scary than they have any right to be. <laughs> Maybe that's just like a, a because everything's rural, but it's also close together in the Northeast. Uh, there's just something about where you can be like, yeah, there's a town uh, called Arkham where this crazy fucking thing happened. There's a town called Derry or whatever, where there's an evil clown. Like, yeah. and you just, you just hear that stuff growing up there. Name things after British things and then it's scarier, right? True. Yeah, just just put new in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they they live on this little plot of land, and the first uh, thing that we see is his teenage daughter doing a uh, Wicca ritual um, down by the, the uh, some lake or something, and uh, she she gets approached by our hero. I guess I don't. Yeah, you see, because like, she, I think, until the very end. I thought she she's, was the hero. She's the heroine, yeah. But he's um, but but this guy that comes in and catches her doing this ritual is a water. He's a hydrologist working for like a yeah. water company to see to to like survey the area to put a reservoir in, basically. It, yeah, and and that's one of the I uh, the issues that I think I have with the film is just that there isn't really like a clear character who we're supposed to. Um, follow or identify i mean the the teenage daughter is like the the closest one uh lavinia is her name and um but it doesn't quite uh yeah the, it, you sort of feel or i felt like you're you're at a sort of distance from all of them you're kind of just watching stuff happen um to these people and but again that's sort of nitpicking because it's still it's still fun but um lavinia yeah. lavinia <laughs> compared to <laughs> Compared to Mandy, um, or um, like um, I was thinking about Hereditary a lot, a lot uh, watching mm-hmm. this, which is a movie that deals with like you know a, a very like domestic drama plus horror in the same way. Right. Like um, that, that's a movie that really gets in my mind gets the uh, all the weight of like having crazy family drama happen in the middle of like traumatic shit. And right. I think this movie doesn't really get the weight of that. It doesn't, that doesn't quite communicate. Instead, you just kind of get a bunch of crazy shit happening to people. But, um, but I digress. Uh, so we see Lavinia sort of doing, doing a banishing ritual or something um, by the water. And she's like, uh, you know, Oh, I'm so, this sucks being uh 
a teenager stuck in the <laughs> sticks here. I wish I was anywhere. I wish something interesting would happen here <laughs> once in a while. I wish I could eat fast food. I wish interesting oh, yeah, stuff she, could happen. She loves McDonald's. Uh, yeah, she's so sick of uh, being here raise, raising out al- himself. <laughs> I know. So sick of of raising alpacas with Nick Cage. It's, it's just <laughs> alpaca milk every morning. There's no variety <laughs> ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and this water surveyor shows up, and um, she's mad at him, but kind of flirts with him and uh, whatever. And immediately, uh, I think it's pretty clear that water is a big. Uh, a big part uh, uh, we're supposed to be fo- like the camera will constantly like focus on someone's glass of water or the well or um whatever this is uh and once again like it's not made quite explicit ever in the film exactly what happens but um i think you can kind of can kind of figure it out um in terms of the importance of water but yeah, and and so the, like you said, there's sort of a slow burn that introduces uh, this whole family, and they've got stuff going on. There's a there's a teenage brother who's smoking weed and hanging out with his best friend, who's a dog, and they kind of hang out. And there's <laughs> a, a little boy named Jack who is also kind of hanging out. Um, and uh, then the mom, Nick Cage's wife, has breast cancer, and um, that is a big deal but not a big enough deal that it really matters much in the scope of the story but it's sort of that this movie does a good job of i thought of having a family that felt like a family dynamic that felt lived in like i did we've seen nick cage be a dad a bunch of times and uh and he legitimately this... almost never has any kind of emotional connection with his like on-screen no. children like you can no. tell there's just no like he's just doing the lines like he, it's really weird yeah. he'll uh, he'll bring like emotion to the moments but he just doesn't seem like their dad like even in a movie like knowing like that's a big bit his the father-son thing or um uh what's the one where his son gets like kidnapped by ghosts Oh, pay the ghost. Pay the ghost. <laughs> um, in all those movies, he doesn't. He's like, yeah, I am the dad, but it just doesn't really read. And this, this was one of the ones where I really kind of believed their family dynamic to a degree. Like, I, I thought they did a good job. Like, you kind of, yeah, and you, they're, actually, a bunch of, they're, they're a bunch of oddballs, though. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but in like a real way, like you, you get the sense that um, they they could walk off screen and keep you. You kind of understand, you know, who's given who a hard time and what who the the sort of family relationships and dynamics. Like it does a good job of of uh, sort of sketching those out in a believable way, which is something that a lot of movies don't fucking do. Like I, so I have to give it credit for that because, like, especially horror movies. I kind of agree with that, but at the same time, like, there's a sense of, like, the way it's written and the way that the lines are delivered where it feels like it's aliens have written yeah. and observed humans and this is what an alien's idea of what a human <laughs> family is like. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm grading on a curve here because, like, a, a lot of... I, I'm especially thinking of horror movies. A lot of horror movies, they're, like... You know, there was once there was a family, there was a guy and a son and I don't know. But anyway, there's a monster, you know, and like here they they take some time. But you're right. It's like it's not like the whole like McDonald's discussion and everything like it doesn't it's very like screenwritery. like it it doesn't 
the I, I think the actors do a good job of and and the editing I think is especially very good in this movie of um, making all the moments the rhythms of the the speech and the moments between the people um, really feel natural. But yeah, the dialogue itself is a little stilted. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I noticed the editing quite a bit because we've been watching cage in movies where the editors don't know how to do it don't know how to like especially like to i mean i'm just thinking of a score to settle here this is the one we just watched where cage once again plays a dad and it's just fuck i yeah, it's funny that i'm like i'm i'm saying this without the context of seeing yeah just how bad it yeah. gets, so it, like, it gets you're gonna really be much bad kind, you would be gonna be much kinder <laughs> than like yeah whereas i'm Rating on just like yeah a normal movie scale exactly Jake, Jake you've been watching I before we and started I saw recording, Avengers Love Story but I haven't seen all the other ones I I was talking about how I haven't been watching that many movies in like this last year except for these Cage movies so this a movie like this is a fucking oasis in the desert to me but yeah yeah <laughs> in, like in the grand scheme of things like we're talking about like a pretty well done B horror movie here. <laughs> <laughs> So where were we with the? Um, yeah, well, so oh, yeah, yeah, we're so doing like, a lot of setup. Right, there's they're a family. There's also they find out that um, they the mayor comes to the. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh wait, no, I'm sorry. That's after the. That's after the yeah. meteor hits. So I do want to. So, so yeah. right, the, then a meteor comes out of the sky and lands on their land, and it's purple. Yeah, it's like it's an indescribable purple. purple. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to find out the exact Pantone shade of the purple that they use in this movie. <laughs> um, it that it doesn't exist, Miles. Oh, right. <laughs> you can't describe it. It's Pantone Mm-mm. number. Uh, how do you say that? It's just it's it's just like it's like Cthulhu like. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just <laughs> just weird symbols you've never seen. Um, yeah, number four twenty. <laughs> It's Pantone 42069. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, so a meteor lands in their land, and um, uh, there's a, a bunch of hubbub, and the mayor comes out. And, man, I wanted more from this character. Yeah. I was sad that she only showed up, like, twice because <laughs> she – this is the uh, – the actress's name is Corianka Kilcher. She played uh, Pocahontas in 2005's The New World, if, you, if y'all saw that. Um, oh, God, she comes no, in I as, did not. <laughs> <laughs> she comes in as this hot girl boss mayor um, who's being real bitchy and weird for <laughs> kind of no reason. Um, she says something like, man, if you'd have sold me your land, um, like, this wouldn't be your problem or I don't know. Like, it yeah. it hints it hints at some other story that we, we don't get, unfortunately. We, we never get it. I, I was waiting for that to unfold because Cage lets on in one of the scenes with his wife. He mentions that he never thought he'd be like his dad, but here right. he is now. He he moved back to the like homestead to you know after his dad died to take over, and now he's just going to settle into it. Like you know, would be a painter, and now he's yeah. a farmer. Yeah, yeah, and and they do. Dad didn't believe in his painting, <laughs> right? Yeah, they they do. Like, once again, I'm grading on a curve here, but I I would say some some kind of good work with like the sense that he has some sort of trauma around his dad. You know, his dad died and. Um, it comes up in, I, I guess, kind of natural ways, like when he begins to sort of lose his mind or whatever, you, you just get these hints at it. They don't, they don't really do anything that interesting with it, but once again, just in the world of, um, 
B horror movies, like usually that stuff is uh, done with all the subtlety of a fucking sledgehammer. So um, I, I appreciate that uh, we we only get some hints that um, yeah, his he, he had a like. There's a part where he says like, "I'm not a monster. I'm not my father." Um, kind of just like you know, it sort of just slips out stuff like that. That um, it is relatively subtle, but yeah, he. Uh, I don't know what the story is um, with the girl boss mayor um, who <laughs> wants to buy it. Like, I feel like a, it, it hints at a whole other movie where like the meteor lands and then they have to like monetize it to save the farm yeah, <laughs> or <right>. something. <laughs> but I don't know. There's um, like some kind of benefit concert at the end. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, all the aliens, the aliens yeah. all like put on a show and, and they dose the, uh, the Kool-Aid for everybody's drinking the, like the tainted well water and, um, and lights and budgets it. built in, but it, it's like, it's like, uh, the fucking, it's like Woodstock, but, uh, they yeah. all take the brown acid, <laughs> but, but Jake's right. The only difference in this festival, they don't have to, they, they don't need any kind of visual or light show. It's all already Yeah, there. no. Yeah. It's, all, it's all purple. It's all flashing lights. It's right. all yeah, glitch they, arts. Like, they make the TVs glitch. It's, yeah. uh, it's great. It'll, it'll be awesome. I want to go to this festival. Everyone drinks the water and then just sits in the barn in silence, but yeah. in their heads, it's like, just <laughs> like, like they took, like, 30 hits of DMT. Dude, did you see those alpacas come on stage? <laughs> it was like they had one body and four heads and no skin. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the meteor comes and then long story short, shit gets weird. I mean, the I, I guess the what's unsaid is that the, the meteorite sort of um, whatever radiation from it begin it uh infiltrates the well water and the um, soil and the like soil the and, and yeah right so all that plants and animals and everything start to get start to go crazy um there's like weird f- f- like alien flowers growing everywhere there's like yeah. uh there's mantises that should yeah, well, exist. Let's, <laughs> let's uh let's sort of grade them cuz uh some some of them are better than others. True. I thought that um you know the the alien flowers thought that was really good. Yeah. Uh, once again really subtle. The meteor uh, comes and uh then you see these weird kind of purple flowers. Um I thought that was good. Um the purple praying mantis uh, would, <laughs> with uh, like a billion eyes. What did you guys think of that? Uh, An indescribable praying mantis (laughs) that's purple. Dave, I would describe it if I didn't go clinically insane from just laying (laughs) eyes on it. (laughs) Yeah, our our sanity levels are too low to even talk about this. Uh, Um, Yeah, I I thought I actually thought I I thought it was pretty good for being a fully CGI character. Yeah, me Uh, too. They they actually do a close up so you can see all of its like billion eyes. And, yeah, uh, it looked pretty good. It looked good, and it looked pretty freaky. It it made me uneasy to look. I mean, mantises in general make me uneasy to look They're at, but this one especially, bit. like, really kind of threw me with how freaky. Yeah. It um. Okay. What did you guys think of uh, the transformation of Tommy Chong's cat G Spot in <laughs> into into a sort of skinless, uh, big eyed, uh, creepy uh, chupacabra creature? What did y'all think of that? Uh, I thought it was good the way that they 
they introduced it and then it was one of those things where it was just like on screen for a second and before you even yeah. completely understood what it was like it wasn't there anymore that yeah, was i completely effective. forgot i completely forgot about the cat yeah yeah, yeah. where it like runs across the car or runs yeah. in front of the car yeah. yeah that that was not good cgi that this they they intelligently only showed it for a second yeah i um, think that one was the least effective creature in the whole movie personally yeah um what'd you guys think of the uh big sticky multi-headed alpaca beast that thing i think is like why why i was like drawing the comparisons sort of thing because that scene does just remind me of when they burn all the dogs that have all become the thing yeah thingified right but um, yeah. th- that was really cool, though. I do like. I do like. I mean, alpacas are already like Lovecraftian creatures. So, <laughs> uh, so an alpaca as a Lovecraftian creature. Come on, like uh, an alpaca is like if someone saw like a sheep and a horse or something and thought it was the same. They were the same animal and then tried to describe it to you <laughs> while going insane. <laughs> an alpaca is indescribable. It yeah, is. they are. What do you? How are you? <laughs> I thought that thing was cool and i think that the thing the thing that was super effective about it was that it was a combination of actual puppetry and cgi yes too. yeah so when and, they did the close-ups you could i mean it was obviously the, still touched up with cgi but when they did the close-ups you could actually the see the, great. the necks and the heads moving yeah you could tell that movement was like real puppets it was cool yeah right and and everything is all it has that 80s um practical effects thing where everything is gooey like just covered yeah. in slime which i just it love. reminded me like, of the of the end of society where they all like, yeah they, yeah yes yeah yes, it was like that yes. kind of thing where it was just like weird flesh lumps like bleeding into each other and like right. kind of but it's an yeah. alpaca yeah but it's but <laughs> <laughs> um and um i guess what what did you guys think of the uh mommy jack uh mantis beast hybrid um that's the coolest one yeah i think that's, you liked that one yeah i did i did and the sound effects of her voice are very creepy and also upsetting and sad it was actually well and, and that, yeah that was the most upsetting part yeah for and sure. i i think that i think that they do something really effective in this movie that they do good in in other movies of this kind like whenever there's a whenever there's a significant body horror situation or where there's someone becoming i mean like the fly is a really good example but when someone mm. is slowly becoming not human and they're like experiencing it in real time there's something that is like very on top of just the body horror element of it, which is like aesthetically disgusting and terrifying. There's also like a, an element of like, you actually feel bad for them. Like there's like, there's, yeah. there's, you know, there's a sense of like, of like, Oh, I, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't wish that experience on anybody. Like yeah. that sounds like the worst nightmare you could go through. And I think the the way they did it in this movie really brought out like the, like the sadness of that situation as, as well as the like gunky horror part of it. Right. I mean, again, like grading on a curve, like I, I, it's not, it's not as just gutting as I think it should be like, again, thinking about hereditary or something like that. And this is again, why I think that this, you know, this is the moment where the film then just becomes a bunch of crazy shit happening, which is kind of what we don't really need to go into the plot in too much more detail. Cause after um you know people just start to go crazy and weird shit 
happens. Like that's yeah. kind of the rest of the film. C- Cage and, develops like a rash all over his body, yeah. and then um, he gets what's the what's the the Game of Thrones disease where your skin turns into scales? Oh yeah, grayscale. Grayscale. Yeah, yeah he gets grayscale <laughs> for a second. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, like Dave, I he, just he, I just watched all of Game of Thrones during the pandemic last year, so I I understand that reference you? and I can answer that question. So this did is great you? timing. If you had asked me a year ago, I would have been like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Shit, I I want to <laughs> talk about that uh, the Game of Thrones with you, um, the TV show that was the biggest TV show for uh, years and years, and then everybody just immediately stopped talking about it after the last <laughs> season <laughs> made made everyone mad. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, a bunch of crazy fucking shit happens, and uh, things just kind of escalate. And th- again, like, this is kind of like, okay, so here's my my big issues with kind of how I think it the, it kind of mishandles the trajectory of, of shit is that, like, um, first, and this is going to sound nitpicky, but, like, um, Richard Stanley has sort of, like, so, yeah, we keep talking about how purple it is, and, like, it's sort of really ridiculous how many things in the film are purple and (laughs) like and and i think the intelligent way well i mean he's intelligent he made a fucking movie but the the way to like to to really do that where oh my god this purple is a color that we've never seen before like the way to really make things feel alien is to like reserve that color for the fucked up shit but like it's like every shot i mean the girl's fucking hair is purple like everything is purple like it's it's like a a theme or a through line and that doesn't make sense to me like visually that doesn't ramp up the strangeness when like just they it's just purple people living in a purple world filled with purple aliens like Mm -hmm. it doesn't really read and yeah second of all just like yeah i i feel like when they they sow the seeds of like traumatic family drama, but it just didn't really hit that like, you know, from about the halfway point to the last third of the film, like her whole family just gets murdered by aliens. But everybody's kind of I mean, Cage is like swinging for the rafters like he he lets go. <laughs> and but the kids play it pretty fucking straight. Like they're just kind of like. They're like, oh, man, I can't believe this is happening. This is so bad. And you're like, dude, need, yeah. your reality is like folding in on itself. And and I never really got the sense that like, you know, uh, it, it's just it's like Cage just going crazy and people being like, wow, this is so bad that this is happening. And it's like, well, <laughs> yeah, you, like they're they're treating it like the the woods. There was like an uncontrolled burn in the woods that was getting closer to the house. You know, it's like that level of alarm of like, right. shit, we really got to figure this out. We got to get out of here it, rather than like everything that you've ever known about reality is folding in on itself. <laughs> <laughs> That's the level of hysteria I wanted to see. <laughs> But it, I don't know. It is kind of played for I don't know. It's played humorously though a lot of the time because like the dialogue is so absurd in times and like the things that they talk about. I don't know. Well, like, I, there was there was one moment in the movie where I actually laughed out loud, and I don't know if it was supposed to be funny or if Richard Stanley is just on another level, and so he found <laughs> the humor in this. But when when they're in the attic with the with the Jack Mom beast, yeah, and 
mommy monster. Yeah, and they're like sitting with the mommy monster and like trying to talk to her, talk to her, and like be with her, even though they're all like horrified and like ready to throw up. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and then she like the the monster like says something and can't get the words out, and they make like a weird like noise, and then the daughter leans in and she's like, uh should I get you a glass of water or like, or like, do you want a glass of water? She says it like really straight to like the mom beast right in front of her. And I just thought that line, like the, the hilarity of like asking if, if that thing wants a glass of water to like make it more comfortable. It's like, thing, like the, the daughter the whole time is having to like, like Lavinia is having to react to a bunch of crazy things happening to her. And she just has, just dryly responds or then has to mirror the energy of right. cage, like just right. coming at her at, 11 yeah or right. she'll see something crazy and just very dryly respond to what she's seeing <laughs> the all the stuff with the mom reminded me of uh slither have you guys seen slither yeah slither is great yeah and That's... i mean tonally slither is a movie that like i think gets it really right because they're saying uh, you know they're making a horror comedy and they hit both of those notes like pretty well like all the uh, the practical effects are fucking amazing and um yeah and and they there's a, a i would say the most effective um storyline in it it is sort of the same thing of like you know there's a a person who's sort of pathetically uh transforming and it's uh bringing people in people the people who love this person have to make decisions about you know sacrificing people to it or you know whatever and, and it and it really like emotionally hits in the middle of a movie that's kind of almost like a screwball comedy um and uh yeah this movie this movie like i also was like laughing out loud at parts in the same way of being like i don't i don't know if it was meant to be funny but i do know funny <laughs> yeah. that's what i mean i think like that's why like it's an argument like as much as like you've talked about like richard stanley like being the auteur of this movie. Like sure. this is a movie that Nicolas Cage is the auteur of because he is, sure. everyone is having to react to whatever crazy decision and crazy line read. Like he's just, it gets to a point where like whatever's written on the page and he just sort of is like, it's like the end of the day of shooting and he's frustrated and he's like, well, I really don't think it's like, like he just starts like just <laughs> saying his line of dialogue with that kind of tone. And then it's just, Everybody else has to then react to that back and well, they don't know how to mirror his energy or they'll just say something very dry back and then there's human that comes out of that. It's like, it's like the movie is about like, how do we respond to Nicholas, whatever Nicholas Cage is driving in this? I no, I don't know if I my I'm just so like Cage brain now that I like hit all of his I, I feel like I can understand all of his weird choices now just because i've seen we've like seen and cataloged so much of it that i know that he was like you know that's he's like oh i start to go crazy so i start to talk like an absolute lunatic like right he he brings out the accent like he the puts accent. an accent on as he starts to go he, more insane and it, it's one we've seen before like sometimes it's it's sort of like the one uh, he infamously did oops, in Peggy oops. Sue Got Married. Oh, okay. I was gonna say oh. it. It, it reminds. I, I think Peggy. Sue, I think the one in Peggy Sue You're Married is like the ur text for this accent. Y y yes. But but what but what <laughs> this rendition of it in Color Out of Space reminded me of specifically is in Between Worlds where he shows yeah. her the photo of his of his wife and child and then he goes like this is my wife and my, and my daughter. Oops, they're dead. <laughs> like the way that he says it, like that. <laughs> 
<laughs> that well, reminded me and, of okay. that. Like it's well, the same it, kind of it, way he talks in this movie. <laughs> it comes out. It, it comes out of nowhere in the scene where, like, yeah, the the mom is. Uh, uh, there's already been fucked up shit happening. No, no, no. It's before that. It's before that. He he's outside with the the two teenagers. And he's like, you have to feed the alpacas. Yeah. They're alpacas. Okay, get the fuck out of my sight. Or something like that. And you're just like, where did that come from? But then he, he'll slip back and forth. He's like, he's like, mm, I, I didn't, I'm not going to win father of the year for doing that. Like, yeah. I, I just yelled at Lavinia. Like, I feel so bad. What is this thing? Like, it's, and again. Not only that, like, uh, like, there's the scene where, like, he's, driving the mom back from the hospital after she cut her fingers off and it just like just hard cuts to him singing opera, singing opera. in the car yes. well, okay oh, okay so uh, another thing talking about just being absolutely like cage brained like i the, every fucking episode now i miles or i point out the thing that is that we just know is nicholas cage's personal decision something that was not in the script that he was like here's what here's what i'm gonna do or someone was like okay you're driving back maybe you're talking about something and he's like um uh, what if i'm singing opera (laughs) like i just know i don't need I don't need this confirmed because I know without a shadow of a doubt that that was just a thing he decided he would do. <laughs> yeah, and whoever the director is, it's like they can't say no, or it's like he or or like he won't literally will not give them a take that right. isn't him singing opera because it was his idea. So it's like okay, or, I guess yeah. that I guess that's in the movie now. I, I or I think I think it's like maybe they said no to him like ten times that day, and then they're like. I, I could. I'll give him this. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, he will. He will definitely walk off the set, even though he has never done that no. in his past. He's never walking off any set. No, this. I will be the person he walks off the set if I tell him no too many times. <laughs> well, I think he. I think the directors begin to get cage brain because if you're you're making a movie, you have this person who is a big star in it, and he's like you know he's like well what if i did this shot walking on my hands or whatever and you have to just be like wait should i let nicholas cage he he won an oscar he's like and then you're like no 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 that doesn't make any fucking sense don't (laughs) but you know it's like five o'clock no it's like a night shoot you have to shoot shoot them driving home and he's like he's like okay so you guys um you're, you're just talking in the car and cage is like well i would be singing opera probably and you're like sure yeah sure <laughs> yeah like like thinking it would be like some of the business that he does before or like at the front or end of the yeah. scene but really he just put he throws it in the middle of the dialogue so you can't it, cut it, around <laughs> it so you're just like fuck okay okay sure <laughs> uh, yeah, so i watched an interview with richard stanley and he he was saying that um y- you know he uh, when he gave Cage the script, so uh, Cage is a, a big Lovecraft fan, um, and I guess his dad, uh, August Coppola, was a big Lovecraft fan, and this uh, performance in this movie is sort of a, a a bit of a nod to his dad, which is weird considering all the weird dad stuff in it. But um, he, uh, he, he gave it to, to Cage, and Cage highlighted the parts where he basically thought that he could freak out really well and i i (laughs) like i haven't heard this about you know i think the like there's a sort of that's sort of the like 
mythic idea of how cage works i think a lot of times like the the freakouts come naturally from kind of what we were just talking about where he's like well what i want to do this but like i like the idea that he got this and he specifically he said the the moment in the car where he's just like fuck cocksucker get this piece of shit god fucking damn it and like pounding the the top of the roof and then the moment where he's eating t- tomatoes. Yeah, dude, that scene uh, is so good. The tomatoes in the kitchen scene is so good. It's fantastic. He has these giant tomatoes, and he he's just ravenously taking a single bite out of each one, and then, like, Michael Jordan, like, slam-dunking them into the trash can. <laughs> uh, the fun thing is, like, like, he must have just seen a script before, like, oh, I'm going to play this, like, for last. I'm going to play this ridiculous because this movie and the setup, everything about this movie is absurd. Right. So did he just sort of, like, amp- just sort of, like, amplify everything that was in the script already? Or, like, you can't You're, play this. He's like, <laughs> I can't play this low-key, so I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I, I mean, maybe he approached it sort of that way. He's like, mm, well, absurdity calls for absurdity. But I think he's just, like... Oh, I could do that. That'd be fun. I know what I want to do. I can he he sees himself just ravenously eating the tomatoes and he's like, "Yeah, this this is the movie I want to do." And and Richard Stanley was apparently he was like he's like, "Yeah, those like okay, good. We have your freakouts, but then he spent a lot of time like dialing him back. Right. Like he he wanted to to make sure that he reads as a normal dude who does the like you know, it's it's like how uh, Stephen King thought Jack Nicholson wasn't good in The Shining because he thought he started seeming too uh, too unhinged, which I would say is objectively wrong. That's a great performance, but I mean, like, I would say that Jack Nicholson as a person is is unhinged, unsettling. So, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so to ask him to not play it that way, it's just I don't know. Right. Why, but you know, <laughs> no, it's I, I in my it's perfect casting. But imagine Nick Cage be in the shining like you couldn't he, he, he that then okay, i would I've agree actually, with stephen king i've actually had this conversation with somebody before if they ever what? remake the How? shining well i'm just saying well because we were talking about the shining but then it yeah. was brought up that if they ever remake the shining like cage is the perfect person to cast right <laughs> if if you were going to do it as a comedy yes okay like, but i but i i think that could be said about nicholson's performance is that he arguably true. plays a lot of that so broadly that if you had a different context and a different soundtrack it could be like some of those scenes could be yeah damn actually now you're saying that i'm i'm i'm, I'm, I'm mad that i'm mad that cage wasn't you in you and mcgregor's role in dr sleep now oh, oh yeah that would have been that would have been, that yeah. been oh per- my that actually would have been perfect like and it's like that would have made dr sleep better yeah, like a good movie or a good movie. Like that was the chance. That was their chance to do that, and they yes. they blew it. Yes, yeah, they did. They fucked up. That movie, Miles. Sucked. I I'm complete. <laughs> I'm completely with you now. I yeah. I wasn't, but I you know with a good director and the right soundtrack, um, yeah, he'd be amazing. Yeah, I think so. So not Doctor Sleep. So not anyway. yeah, but I, but I'm oh oh I I remember what I was gonna say Dave when you brought up the scene in the truck where he like try where yeah. it doesn't start and he freaks out and starts like punching it and hitting the ceiling and like okay do you remember that movie Sunny? Yes, that Cage that he directed? directed. Do you remember the scene in it where when James Franco's in the car and he like and he grabs the steering wheel and like bangs it and punches it and starts punching the seal oh, the roof yeah. of the car. And he's like yeah. yelling in the same way, and we were laughing about that scene because we were like, <laughs> Cage directed him 
<laughs> to do that scene as if he were like directing oh himself. And God. then in this movie, I want to like get them like I, I want to edit those two scenes side by side because I seriously think yes. that it's almost exactly the same performance from Cage as it was from Franco in that. In oh, that scene. that's such a good call. That's so true. Fuck. Anyway, <laughs> um, yes, Jake, have you seen uh, Sunny? I haven't seen okay. Sunny. I have not. But I, I think I, I want to see it. I don't know that I could recommend it, but I think no, it, I, I don't. I don't um, know. You here's, <laughs> look up. Look, go, if anybody is listening to this and they haven't seen Sunny, which is probably 100% of you, don't watch it, but go to YouTube and type in Nicolas Cage Sunny Acid Yellow, yes. which is the name of the character that he plays in Sunny. And the scenes with him in it are well worth your time. <laughs> All right uh yeah so i again in terms of plot like i really don't think there's much to say it it everything goes fucking bonkers and um the whole everything gets i i mean i i can't i can't really describe the ending like it's <laughs> that reality like glitches out and the whole area where the farmhouse was and their farm uh just i guess what what happens well, what so happens it, it, the, it the loses- aliens datamoshed the earth yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah basically exactly. they, they use the, but they put on the vhs filter on planet <laughs> earth and uh and makes reality fold on itself <laughs> yeah that's what happens yeah uh and the the daughter gets uh the daughter gets like consumed by the alien or something the like the color comes out of the well and then like swallows her and and she has yeah. that, like, vision of the home world of the alien this yeah. is where i think oh oh yeah i love that i mean this is talking about lovecraft like this is another thing that he loves to do that i would love to see more filmmakers try to do which is like yeah someone sees through the veil of the worlds and they see another world where a lot of times there's, yeah, just masses of like slave creatures, like building giant temples or like stuff like that. And yeah. I, it's actually really rare that you see a filmmaker try to approximate that. And I love that Richard Stanley fucking went for it. Yeah, he went for it. I don't love the, I don't love the actual rendition of it, but what I do appreciate about it is that yeah. he didn't try to make like an alien home world. It was really just kind of a, glorified like screen saver of like of of yeah. like a, that, it, that it looks like that, doom that makes three. me sound like i'm denigrating it more than i am no i, but, I mean it's but, it's it's a lot I mean of cgi is, and yeah like, and like he didn't try to show us like alien creatures in like alien palaces or like alien cities it was just pure landscape with like shapes and and i guess rocks or like yeah. masses of like tendrils that were like coming up out of the ground, like f- like folding in and twirling on each other. It, it's hard to explain. I, I but that's that's what made I, I Richard Stanley got a lot of press from this movie as like you know a filmmaker who gets Lovecraft, and that is a moment where I do I I was like that that is that is I mean it's not Lovecraft in its totality that one moment, but that like idea of you know you you look into the scar in someone's head and it it seems to open up into a portal that is uh yeah you just see masses of alien civilization you get a sense of like 
a whole other existence and world, like a, a space with um, creatures that have their own history. And um, that, I mean, with the, the effect being that like, your sense of self and reality have now been put into a context that is so just um, staggering to try to understand that. And you know, that you're, you're infinitesimally smaller and less important to this like cruel alien universe than you ever like uh, comprehended before. But like, and you just get that in a moment and yeah, he went for it. It does look like a fucking screensaver, <laughs> but like, but you get what he's going for, and that's a hard thing to do. And it looks cool, and it's trippy, and uh, and so I yeah, it's exactly. Fine. Like, I think the specifics of what it looks like are less important than the fact that he actually tried it, and 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 yeah, and he didn't just shy away from that aspect of it. And like you, you just said, it looks cool and it's trippy, and for. Uh, all the like i would say small to medium faults that this movie has it has that going for it throughout like it not everything works and reads but it's a good drug movie it's not as good a, as mandy it's probably not even in the same like stadium but it's it, it like there's enough cool interesting shut sh- shut there's enough cool interesting shit that is like well presented that uh i enjoyed it it's like i saw some things i hadn't seen before oh, oh what sites like and then i saw some shit that like i would say the weakest cgi in the whole movie is when that sheriff character who uh seems to show up and have some plot importance for a moment like i was like wait who's this guy are we supposed to care about him and i was like oh he's probably gonna die soon and then he just got like grabbed by the tree like evil dead style and and then we saw a shot of the tree like hugging him to death and it looks fucking terrible (laughs) but um yeah but for every like thing like that you get like uh i would say some really cool uh ideas Saw I saw an interview with Richard Stanley too, where he talked about how he coming into it because he hasn't made a movie since the '90s, and so he was talking about how like digital VFX and CGI were like a whole new thing that he had to learn how to work with, basically, to make this movie. And he seemed like he had a really good attitude about it. He was saying like, "Yeah, I want to make more of these type of movies, and I want to specifically make more Lovecraft movies. And to do that, you need." VFX like there's no way around it yeah. you have to just learn how to work with it and yeah and, and then he talked a little bit about the process with the the house that he worked with and what their design process was whenever. he talked did he talk about allowing Nicolas Cage to sing opera no but I wish he had we, 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 we just went with it we just went yeah with like it. I want to know and I also <laughs> there's also this weird thing that he does too where he like this I think might have been a cage choice you know where he like in the scene where you think he's gonna shoot the the mom in the head in the attic and then he like yeah. puts the gun down but then he like leans in and starts like kissing her oh do you yeah. remember that and then yeah, and she's like, all like goopy yeah she's the, like, the gross like trails of like of, of like of like but alien. then <laughs> but then after he kisses her once you're like oh that's sweet at first it's kind of a sweet peck and then he goes in again and actually <laughs> like and kind of sort of start to put the moves on her and i was like oh like it's like it's so so weird well, and i bro have you ever kissed an alien though no i i hopefully one day yeah i mean we'll <laughs> maybe it's great maybe i don't know 
And I guess there's also there's also that car scene where he just goes crazy. He just is like, all right, you're in a car. Yes. You're frustrated. You're going crazy. Just go crazy. Yeah. And then he Check. does just go crazy just for like 30, 30 seconds. All right. I, I think let's let's talk about just like bits and bobs. Let's get just get into it because I have a lot. But okay. like I said, like the whole the whole I think we've big pictured it enough. <laughs> it's, um, I'll start with this. This is the first film we've seen with Nick Cage milking an alpaca. This is true. <laughs> the only, probably the only one we'll ever get. But that's so, like a, much, a so I, much alpaca talk throughout the whole movie. I know. It's yeah, <laughs> it's a bit. The really, this movie is about alpacas. It's not about aliens. It's not about weird colors in space. It's about. But I, I learned so much about alpacas. Yeah, the, I, I learned how to milk them. Yeah. yeah, and you don't see those in movies in general, especially not horror movies. Um, I learned you could eat alpacas. Apparently. I didn't know that. You can, but yeah, you can, you can, can eat alpaca meat. Yeah, I didn't know that either. That's kind of fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I don't like it. Uh, alpacas okay. are the animal of the future. They are the animal of the future. <laughs> we will all be eating alpacas. We just don't know yet. Yeah. They have wool, but they're bigger than sheep's. They have milk and it looks delicious, and uh, <laughs> and then you can eat them. Can you can you ride them? Can you like put a saddle on them? Probably. Hmm. I think they they spit though. I think they're like ornery. But you can ride camels. Seems like similar. Yeah. Currently, Dave alpaca count six or four. How many were there in the movie? <laughs> alpaca count four. For well, in the end, there was just one. Oh, that's true. <laughs> in, in the end, the, the the amount of alpacas um, would require a numeric system that is completely alien to our understanding of, uh, you know, <laughs> numbers. So it's hard to say, but yeah, let's say six. Okay, cool. Here's another little bit in Bob, uh, the Elliot Knight, the actor who plays Wade. Do you guys think he looks like a black James Franco? Cause I do. Yeah, I could see that. I, I wouldn't think of it, but now that you mention it. Yeah. Um, Here's something. Joelle Richardson, the mom, um, was in Event Horizon. Uh, not a, a Lovecraftian film, but uh, another film where a bunch of fucked up shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> this, this movie does have a kind of Event Horizon kind of vibe. Yeah. I yeah. love it, Event Horizon so much. Yeah, yeah I'd, and I'd say like quality-wise, like it's sort of like in the same water, in the same arena. What did I say earlier? Like same, say, yeah. Sam, Sam Neil and Nicolas Cage, I think, same register of performance. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> Ooh, and Sam Neil is in a a movie called uh, The Mouth of Madness, which is another Lovecraft adaptation that is oh. really pretty good. Oh, and and Possession is yes, kind of Lovecraftian Possession, too. Dude. Yeah, yes. yo, so, that movie yeah, has like, yeah. that movie has one of the best like Lovecraftian monsters of yeah. Like, yeah. any movie. Oof. That is, yeah, that is also it's like, I love this, like, it all, yeah, it all, work, it all comes back to Lovecraft, yeah. all of these weird kind yeah. of creatures and weird creatures becoming other things Possession is the best uh, the best Lovecraftian romance that uh, Lovecraft never wrote It is a, it is the best movie about divorce Oh, yes Yeah, it's Kramer versus Kramer and Possession Yeah, <laughs> but with monsters <laughs> Mar- Marriage story but with monsters uh, uh what else the little kid talks about the man in the well thought that was very creepy but um i was sad that we never got to see a man in the well 
there was a praying mantis in there and there were some lights. Yeah, I am a big fan also of the horror trope of using the like uh child to like mm. like basically like when the kid you know is like staring at the wall or when or, yeah. or, or or like or like poltergeist where she's like they're here like when like yep. little kids like can see or feel the monster before anyone else that shit gets me every time That's, uh, right yeah. yeah and in this one yeah he's he's taught he's playing with the man in the well or talking to him let me froze froze everything at you yeah definitely <laughs> like every, every, every yeah. trope at you at once yeah. like, yes yeah. all right scary kids we got them a, a creepy well we got them we uh Weird shape shifting creature. We got him. Uh, right. Yeah. And and that's it. Alpacas. We got. We got yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, that's sort of where it falls down. Is like the plot sort of just turns into just a bunch of those things. Nick Cage. Here's another one. He takes a shower and there's like a big like goo blob that is blocking the drain <laughs> and then it like zaps his hand for a second and then disappears it's like yeah i don't know what what is that each of these moments seem like they could build to another thing and and this does mirror like the way the lovecraft story and the way that he he sort of writes about yeah there's the creepy farm and this one weird thing happened and that one weird thing happened and the way that they all build together into something larger i can't tell you because it's beyond understanding but um that that like works on the page because you're like oh shit yeah if there's a goo blob in the shower like what what uh, where where does that goo blob like i don't know it just it works when you you read about it, you can sort of extrapolate it in an interesting way, but maybe I'm just trained for movies to, if you're going to introduce all that stuff, you want to maybe like weave it together in a way that feels a little more intentional rather than just like <laughs> there's, there's aliens and yeah, like where, so like are the animals, what, what is the nature of the alien being like, is that goo blob an alien? Uh, did it possess? Is there a consciousness that is infecting people? Like what you don't really get the parameters of it. And then in some ways that really works. And in some ways, sometimes it's sort of like, that's what I mean. Like, like the, the movie doesn't quite take itself seriously enough where you kind of wonder and like have this idea yeah. of like, Ooh, what is, what it like, what is all of this stuff? I'm intrigued by it. Cause it yes. does just kind of then just like it's just fall for laughs and, and, and absurdity yeah. more than it does sort of like make you like, want to feel like creeped out by all of like the little weird things that happen yeah for for even for glancing the alien world and showing that like you don't really get a sense of like that there is this sort of uh alien scheme schematic behind everything that like you know richard stanley is just showing you that that it's hinting at which is something that like kubrick is amazing at like the talk about the shining again like you, you don't get the parameters of that ghost story like it doesn't get explained but he's good enough at at you feeling like there is something bigger that you're just not understanding and somehow this movie like even though that's literally what it's about it doesn't that doesn't really work it just sort of shows you a bunch of crazy shit and you're like wow and then that the at the end black james franco is like smoking a joint and he's like man we don't really talk about all that crazy shit that happened and people you know i still don't get it 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 it, that shit was wild man <laughs> like, that's just kind of it and then you see a little purple praying mantis go across the screen like like to be continued question mark yeah it's it, Lavinia will return in colors out of space yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not just purple more colors 
to color to space. Uh, <laughs> I I would have enjoyed more specificity as well about the parameters of the alien, and I think that I I think that they leaned a little too heavily on the idea of like the the thing that's kind of at the basis of the whole cosmic horror that there is like alien or like extraterrestrial or force or like uh, life forms that don't understand humanity or humans right so like there is almost mm. like no the screenwriter can almost just be like well you know we couldn't explain it in in like human terms so i'm not gonna try to explain it you know what i mean it's like, like right like the alien doesn't even know what it's doing it's almost like an evolutionary thing you know what i mean like that's that's kind of how i took it like i don't know that the alien is necessarily like an intelligent force right i think it's that it's just it, I mean, it, 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 uh, it says it in the movie. It's like changing the landscape to try to survive in it, basically. And so I, I, I think that there's more like uh, elemental forces of like almost like a, like on a cellular cellular level than than there would be on actually you know like uh, quote unquote uh, intelligence as we right. understand it. It's not like Independence Day where they're coming to Earth to blow us up. Right. You know right. What I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and and again, like, yeah, I, I don't, uh, I I don't know where R- Richard Stanley comes down on that. Like, if he has an idea, whether like that's the problem. Yeah, I don't know, but I want to know that he knows. You, you know yeah, what I mean? exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, fuck, I had something to say, and it, and um, you made a good point, and it went away. It remind it reminds me of, like Annihilation almost. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Oh man, Annihilation's also great. Yeah. So, and, uh, so he, yeah, he said that like, um, when Annihilation came out, he was like, "Oh shit, maybe we can't do this." Also, the Lighthouse, he he said, which isn't neither of those are Lovecraft adaptations, but they um they draw. Now, on, now I'm just thinking of like the of like a mutant like one eyed seagull like the alpacas, but it's just a bunch <laughs> of like, seagulls like in a blob. <laughs> Will, Willem Dafoe and a why seagull just, fused together. Why just spill your beans, Lavinia? Yeah. <laughs> Robert Pattinson's just in the corner masturbating, like <laughs> <laughs> while the while the like bug wife eats the. Girl. <laughs> um, uh, but David, yeah, I'm he, sorry, he, I totally he, cut you off. What's what's the correlation between this and the lighthouse? Well, he he said. Well, the, the what he said was the lighthouse used a lot of tentacles. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, true. which is a you know classic Lovecraft thing, but um, but also just the sort of like unexplained, like weird tales sort of thing. Like that's uh, Lovecraft didn't invent that, but he was one of the the dudes, and that's the sort of story that that is. So he said that those films came out in 2018, 2019, and he was like, oh shit, like they, they might be eating our lunch, but. Uh, you know, but he, 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 his idea was that, well, this is pure Lovecraft. Like we're actually adapting it and, right. and more people should do that. He, he's sort of is trying to like carry the banner uh, uh, of that. And now is a good time to bring up the fact that like in the last couple years, especially, um, I would say like th- this was reaching a, a higher pitch, like a- right after this movie came out, most of the, um, the talk about Lovecraft in mainstream culture is 
that bringing up the fact that he was a virulent racist. <laughs> oh yeah, like a, yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, he was and, and, he was a huge racist, and I think he was a eugenicist also. Like yeah, which is I funny because he was like a, a chronically ill like mama's boy his whole life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was he was just a guy who like lived in his mom's. He literally lived in his mom's basement and wrote like weird stories and mailed them to other weirdos who also wrote weird stories. But like, is Lovecraft like the first incel? I've heard that said. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah. And I I think, you know, there's been a lot of ink spilled about this by people smarter than me, but it's like uh, a lot of people draw a pretty um, smart parallel between like the idea of you know just the otherness like that's sort of the the thing that is that scares lovecraft right is this sense of of otherness and um that so <laughs> i think people in general were probably too much for him and somebody <laughs> who uh didn't look like him like oh fuck like that the, he he would see he would see like a black dude and that would probably feel like cosmic horror to him and <laughs> dude i don't know what to tell you i saw this guy and it drove me crazy i can't even his describe skin, what he looked like <laughs> his skin was a color out of space meanwhile lovecraft looks like a fucking the pale fucking white fish like just and yeah he's sickly thin weird looking dude so like cthulhu is just an allegory for like uh for uh, interracial like, relationship, interracial right? yeah. marriage, yeah, or <laughs> yeah. something like, yeah, and and so like a lot of that stuff is is like pretty close to the surface. Um, while I mean, for all of that, um, the stories work as fictional horror stories. You know that the sense of hit, there's not. <laughs> there's not like a they're not political in a straightforward way it's it's literally the story of someone who just can't fucking deal (laughs) with with shit which is um universal but there's been a lot of like talk from i mean there's a there was a book that turned into a series that i haven't read or watched called lovecraft county that's dealing with that there's um yeah, it, it, but there's a lot of people dealing with that and a lot of like black Lovecraft fans or non-white Lovecraft fans dealing with, uh, you know, the fact that this uh, is a writer who they like who uh, would be hateful and terrified of them. <laughs> um, I don't know, like, there, there's so much like horror content out there, you know, like we don't necessarily need like more direct Lovecraft adaptations because like, I don't know, his influence has already like extended yeah. beyond it. Like from like Cronenberg or Junji sure. Ito, right. like, like so many people that like just kind of like take, yeah, you know, like cosmic horror or like otherness and body horror and then like makes it their own thing. And then like, that's like, like usually more saying, successfully. Like, like, <laughs> color, yeah. Right. I was saying like how like color out space kind of just feels like it's seen a bunch of things that were inspired yeah. by mm-hmm. Lovecraft and it's just taking this stuff they like they they saw in like other movies inspired by Lovecraft and then just like I was like oh let's just make that and then make that into like a direct like right. Lovecraft adaptation which, right. yeah which is it's a hard thing to get around I I was uh, reading a, a piece about that movie uh, John Carter from Mars that came out uh, with Taylor Kitsch in it that um, just complete just ate shit at the box office like just huge bomb but that like one of the big uh, complaints about it was just that. Yeah, you have a story about this like Martian warrior guy, and yet all everything about it feels a little stock. And it's because, yeah, the, it those uh, bro, those novels were like influential that 
on people who made kind of like better, like stuff that was a, a better version of it, or at least like something that could be adapted with a good movie in mind. Whereas like, yeah, if you're trying to do Lovecraft, like we said, it's, it's hard. It's really hard to get it. And that one in particular, like John Carter and uh, Dune were basically just the inspiration for Star Wars. And then, like, right. then going back retroactively, trying to like- Trying to do that. Stuff after, yeah, trying to do that. It's like, no, no, this was the original thing. Right. Yeah. Like it's like, it, it's going to seem derivative. Even though it's the original thing, it's going to seem derivative of the things that you've already seen that like have been adapted in like very pop in a ex- way that was extremely popular. All the good parts are going to seem derivative because they've been so picked over and everything that's like weird that like George Lucas or whomever like left, they're like, I don't need that. Like that's the stuff that's going to stand out. And you're like, why am I getting a story about this? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you guys have written down? I, I mean, I can keep going through my, I have a bunch of dumb shit in here. I mean, we pretty much covered everything I, I wanted to talk about, but. Okay. Here's, yeah. here's something. Mummy Chong. Oh. <laughs> I, <laughs> you don't need to well, laugh at that. I, 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 I liked it. No, I um, was just trying to... I, I had forgotten what happens to him at the end. That's why. Yes. And then when I remember... I actually... It, I was like, I, yeah. First of all, I, I love Tommy Chong's character, and I kind of, like... I mean, this is, it's not my, like, number one future for myself, but if I end up as, like, a weird, like man squatting in like a lean-to just full of psychedelic shit just smoking weed and drinking coffee all day <laughs> I, I i'm okay with that like i i kind of like his vibe and i really liked that scene the last scene where uh they come in and he's just like a weird mummy version of himself sitting on the couch listening to a tape that like a memorex t- like reel-to-reel tape that he made where um he's just talking, you know, what's it? He's describing the, the unspeakable horror and the tape is like slowing down and speeding up and sounds all fucking weird. I liked it. I didn't know Tommy Chong could be scary, but, um, that that was kind of scary. This was his first horror movie. Apparently he, uh, he said that he always felt weird about doing them because he felt like he didn't want to invite that kind of energy or like bad juju. You know, by by doing like a oh. by doing like a horror movie, I don't know. I guess okay. he's like not into it for whatever reason. That's he smokes sick. a lot of weed, so he probably has that, like all kinds of vibes and auras that he's like picking up on with this kind of shit. But he was like, didn't yeah. he? Didn't he make a movie called Evil Bong? Evil Bong with Tommy Chong? Didn't oh, that I guess he did. I don't know if that was before or after that. Or I guess I feel like that was probably a while ago, right? It's probably not a horror movie. It's but you're still. right. It's probably definitely not a horror movie. <laughs> What if a bong was evil? <laughs> what would it do? Yeah, it, it's going to pack you in a bowl and light you up. More specifically, what if your <laughs> bong was evil? Yeah. Oh, fuck. What if Tommy Chong is there? <laughs> in talking about stuff that works, I, I do want to give another shout out to the sort of... Like, it. I, I, again, it's kind of indebted to Slither, I think, but the, the stuff with the mom, the part where Cage, uh, he's like, we're a family, and he throws uh, the Lavinia in there. He's like, feed your mother. Oh, yeah. Like, that's just scary. <laughs> yeah, and again, yeah, I wish... I wish the, like... I wish the fucking trauma of that stuff had hit because that that is like the in terms of like uh, a thing that feels like deeply like 
horrifying like uh that the you know your mom and your little brother fuse together into a weird beast that's just like whimpering and crying and you have to take care of it and is that still your mother and you're like what you're gonna shoot that thing but also it's not it's like lapping up water like a dog and then like it's turning evil but how do you accept that what do you do like that's like um uh, you know something that Ari Aster, like some of these newer filmmaker, newer horror filmmakers, I think are like tapping into and getting right that um, this, yeah, just sort of it, it, it felt like it didn't quite go there as much as Cage is freaking out and chewing the scenery. Like it just um, it's didn't... on a small scale, but like the thing that that did really sort of like you know get me was like you know when she just lost control of like chopping the vegetables, oh, and yeah, then cut her fingers off like that. That was like. Actually, the part was where, that made me go most. Ew. Ugh. Yeah, same. And then just like showing her like her hand with the two missing <laughs> yeah, fingers. Yeah, when, like, when she turns around, when she ready. turns around, yeah, th- yeah. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> yeah, holding but kind of like daddy, your... mommy's hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you were saying, Jake. Though, like that moment, almost it's like it feels. Is this? A, is it comedic? Like it ends on the like a punchline. Like she's like, dinner's ready. Yeah. That's why like, I mostly find this movie baffling because it will do something horrifying and then will do something to like kind of highlight the absurdity right. in a way that's 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 like just like so comedic. what are you yeah what are you and, going like, for? and it's, you kind of laugh like it is it but that's what I that is what I like about this movie is that like it just like it makes me laugh because it is just it is ridiculous and it like it can just like do all of these different crazy tones at once as an editor and like what did you think of all the like just the the cho- the way that it was edited and sort of the the way that they use color especially when everything is like glitching out at the end like what did that strike you as cool or was it did it feel kind oh of yeah like no dumb? that's that's it's way, way up way up my alley <laughs> yeah I love I love all of that stuff. It's pre-waved. Yeah, I, I was yes. just gonna say a lot of the stuff at the end to me actually looked like it had been waved. And it's funny because like yeah, when we first started doing Grace of Trash, like we got a lot of requests to do Mandy. It's like that movie. Or, there's nothing yeah. to do to yeah. it. It already is what it is. It is right. <laughs> yeah, there's no transformation. You're not gonna make it. Yeah, be- weirder. <laughs> Mandy is the is is already yeah. It's already waved. But yeah, there's lo- lots of just cuts to. The TV just showing glitch effects. That's what that's what the aliens do. They just right. aliens are just they're just they're just they're just waving. <laughs> that that's a they're they're just that's what happens. Right. The aliens come and they just wave the the whole world. <laughs> okay, uh, so there there was no a, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say another thing that I another thing another trope like you said this thing everything in the kitchen sink. But it does when horror movies do the thing where the evil force or the monster or the ghost or whatever talks through like static or white noise or like electronics uh that shit's cool i like that yeah i i I like that uh the dad was like attacked like by watching like aimlessly watching tv like that's how it got to him that uh that was cool so okay, so this reminds me what i was going to say earlier which is just kind of my my other kind of just like nitpicky thing with this is that like um just kind of like the purple how like i was like you know you can't it's gonna lose its impact if like literally every shot is purple um there when cage is watching tv and this whole business with the mayor 
there's this thing of like fish are turned like he's passing through the channels and like a fish is like turned up like dead from crazy pollutants or like but like the mayor is like starting a fresh water. there's this sort of like eco this larger kind of like ecological thing that it seems to be hinting at where it's it's like gesturing towards the like well you know we're talking about an alien pollutant but humans are also polluting that right I don't know what it's doing there. And I also don't like, it sort of just serves to undercut for me the sense of this pollutant. That Does that make sense? Yeah, because it actually has nothing to do with pollution. Right. But, but it's as a metaphor, it can work for that if you're doing it right. But like, I don't understand why but this movie what does the not business need the is. Metaphor. That's not what, that's yeah. not what this is about. And, and I agree with you. I wish that they had, I wish that that was just a thing. I mean, it barely took up like two minutes of the movie, but, but I do agree that I feel like, it was a setup for you to like read into it somehow, and then it just never panned out. So I yeah, I feel also like similarly to Shani, it was like it was sort of implied that his character, like his the father, was an alcoholic, and therefore he was an alcoholic, and that's why like when right. they did the news reports that like it's like yep, he was drinking, that's why he sold it, and he's saying he saw this crazy alien stuff, but he didn't really because he was drunk. Dude, I I that like, might and then it doesn't really then it doesn't really pay off. <laughs> yeah. That might have been my favorite scene, though, when Cage is watching himself uh, on the news report. That shit was just (laughs) so funny to me. I especially he's like he's like, did no one give me a comb? And his hair looks like I mean, just mm. like like Nicholas Cage. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) wonderful. Um. All right. Well, I guess the last thing that I want to touch on is, um. Are, are you guys ready for me to take us on like a really stupid tangent? Yeah, we're gonna talk about the leg stuff. Yeah. No. Oh, you you go they're, first. They're, they're all leg. <laughs> what? Wait. What? They, they they bring up multiple times like leg fetishes that keep keep get brought up, getting brought up in this movie. Okay, say more about that. You know what that's? <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 it just it's just funny. It's like just felt shoehorned in, but he's just sort of like you know I'm a leg man, and then later like. To Lavinia, this I don't know. I can't. I can't remember exactly, but it was stupid. Yeah, because there's the thing with where she has like <laughs> like breast cancer, but he's like, I'm I'm more of a. It's like I'm a leg man, and I, I actually I liked this scene, and he's like he's like I would just. <laughs> I would just uh, if you're. She's like, what? If, what if my legs got cut off? He's like, I would put you in a suitcase and take you around and and, and do <laughs> yeah. whatever I wanted with you. And it's like played as like a really sweet moment, which I really liked. <laughs> I like the I I relate to like a couple just saying like fucked up shit like that to each other. <laughs> like, um, yeah, it was nice. Yeah, no moment was like, yeah, it's just silly and ridiculous. So it's dialogue. just so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the thing that I want to talk about is. In, in the IMDb trivia of this movie, there's just like a one line thing that says like director Nicholas or director Richard Spencer and Nicholas Cage. Um, Richard Spencer. Oh, God. Oh, God. No. Another, Wait, another famous racist. Yeah, right. <laughs> another Lovecraft fan. No, I, bet, uh, I bet he would. I bet Richard Spencer would make a Lovecraft movie. <laughs> but Richard Stanley and Nicholas Cage both spent time in real life looking for the Holy Grail. So, oh yeah! Wait, what? I didn't. I didn't know about this, and uh, I looked it up. I looked up two separate news stories, and it's true. They have both independently gone on personal quests trying to find the Holy Grail. Well, they so, need to. They need to team up and do it together. It cl- yeah, they, uh, clearly, clearly, neither of them succeeded on their own. Let's go, guys. 
clearly. I mean, Richard Spencer says, um, so I, I didn't have time to really read this before we got on the call. I was doing my homework late, but um, they're, they're talking about how he's uh, he's living in the south of France now. Um, and uh, they're like, what, what led you there? And he says, I took a very unlikely career turn after Dr. Moreau. I walked away from the film industry, and for whatever reason, I went looking for the Holy Grail, which ate up a good 10 years of my life. Holy I, shit. I wouldn't have had it any other way. To an extent, Montségur, the Cather Citadel in the south of France, was a place that caused me to question my atheism. It budged me from my habitual cynicism and opened the door a bit more, making me a believer in the supernatural. Huh. The research I was doing into the history of Montségur and the cumulative events that have taken place there over the many centuries, um, I guess, led him to on a quest to try to find the Holy Grail for 10 years. Um, so, okay, like, that's crazy. Yeah, and wow. Th- then, uh, here's, here's Cage talking about, he, he says that, <laughs> there, he says, there was a time where I almost went on, you might call it a grail quest. I started following <laughs> mythology and I was finding properties that aligned with that. It was almost like national treasure. <laughs> <laughs> And then um, the, the newspaper asks him to clarify his, quote, quest. And he says, you, you read a book, and in it there's a reference to another book, and then you buy that book, and then you attach the references. For me, it was all about where was the grail? Was it here? Was it there? Is it in Glastonbury? Does it even exist? Um, the research led Cage to the chalice well in Glastonbury, where legend has it that in that place was a grail chalice, uh, or two cruets, rather, one of blood and one of sweat. That's a quote from something. Cage said the... So, <laughs> so Cage went to the well, and he tasted the water, and says that it tasted like blood, just like in the story of Joseph of Arimathea. Okay, it's... And, um, legend has it that Joseph hid the Holy Grail in the chalice well, and thus the water would taste of Christ's blood. Cage added, I guess it's really because there's a lot of iron in the water. <laughs> <laughs> Which, all, that has a weird connection to this movie, too. Um, yeah, well water. So Cage's trip to Glastonbury sparked buzz that his quest for the Holy Grail would ha- uh, have to go to Rhode Island, where the actor ended up buying property. I don't know if I'm going to say that's why I bought the Rhode Island property, but I will say that is why I went. (laughs) He says that is why I went to Rhode Island and I happened to find it beautiful. And yes, this has put me on a search around different areas, mostly in England, but also some places in the States. What I ultimately found is what is the grail, but earth itself. There you go. Um, He found the grail and um, the grail was the friends we made along the way. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, if you had that many tax problems, I would try to find the Holy Grail. That would solve your tax problem. Oh yeah, you'd be oh, set. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what's funny though? He would he would just keep making shitty movies. I think he's really in it for the love of the game at this point. <laughs> I think I think it started out for tax. Yes, reasons, and now it's yeah. just because he doesn't know how to stop. I, yeah, I think this is just how he lives now. And he, I mean, he'll he'll just keep I think he's going to keep acting forever and we're just going <laughs> to keep doing this podcast forever. Well, remember, so I don't know. He, he said that he was retiring in like 3 years. This was like 2 I years know. ago, but there's no yeah. so far he has a, still many upcoming projects on the docket. So I don't know what 
Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe that was a money thing. Maybe he thought that he was doing fine and then uh, got surprised by, you know, he, it, it he would, bought Rhode Island che- property. It would be and cheaper then- <laughs> for him to stop working entirely than to continue to make money. <laughs> I, well, I think he's the type of guy, too, that, like, he's not going to, like, sell. I don't think he knows how to use money like an adult. And he's not going to, like sell the Rhode Island property he bought to find the Holy Grail. Like it's more fun to keep it and just keep working. <laughs> I th- think it's just, I think he's just uh, following his nose <laughs> like Toucan Sam. And uh, I'm, I'm into it. That's, I think that's part of why I wanted to do this in the first place. Cause it's kind of dope. <laughs> but anyway, these, <laughs> I, I think it's really cool that uh, a, a re- weirdly specific, uh, mania brought these two men together they probably didn't even know that they shared that in common (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm sure they i'm sure they had a conversation about it though right they must have they had to have they must have you're on set with the only other man in the world other than indiana jones that has looked for the grail (laughs) and you're gonna not talk to him about it (laughs) (laughs) i wonder if richard uh stanley agrees that the holy grail is the earth itself that's why nicholas cage couldn't find it because richard stanley already had it god just imagine being at at, like the tour guide or whatever at that historical well and fucking nick cage shambles up in like weird big smoky glasses and like i don't know a wide brim hat and but he's wearing yeah he's wearing a leather jacket that is like jacket (laughs) jackets no it's like a motorcycle jacket that has like big pink patches for no reason and like you know he's just looking incredibly hungover and he just comes and wants to drink the well water (laughs) it's like oh it tastes like blood like that happened to somebody that was someone's work day if that person ever hears this, uh, email us at heatseekingpanther yeah. at gmail.com. We'd love to have you Or hit you us on up on show. Instagram. At, <laughs> at heatseeking, or rate and review us on the uh, Apple Podcast app. We're also on Spotify. Yeah, put put that in the review. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so with that said, do we have anything else to say about the color out of space? Jake, I do want to ask you how you feel about there not being a you in the title, since you're from England. Yeah, I'm furious. Uh, uh, D minus two stars. But I, I could, I, I'd bump it up a few stars if there was a U. Okay, fair enough. I, I do still spell color with a U, even though my computer is set to an American keyboard, and it always tells me I'm spelling it wrong. I mean, it's the classier way I will, to spell I, I will, it. I, I will, yeah, I will force that upon my computer. Yeah, I, I I mean, I would spell it that way if it didn't look like an obnoxious affectation. It's just nice. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I It's like spelling theater with an R-E. It's, it's objectively yeah. better looking, but um, I can't do it because I'm American. Yeah, so if, people if just you're American, like a... it, it just looks pompous. Yeah. yeah. Uh, center, R-E or E-R. Ooh, R-E. Yeah, I, R-E. Yeah. That's, yeah. I think in most cases I would choose the R-E over, over mm. the E-R. Um, would you pronounce herbs herbs, though? Yes, I would. <laughs> I mean, herbs. It it, it makes more yeah, sense. Sa- sounds sounds better. <laughs> Put some herbs. No, I don't like yeah. it. Like like the name like the name. Do you call if a guy's name is Herb? Do you just call him Herb? Well, no. That's what separates men from herbs, though. Is the H <laughs> the hard H? That's what separates the man the man from the herb? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um. Uh, okay. Speaking of spelling, though, here's here's a little something. 
the horse in the movie, its name is Comet, but it was played by two horse actors, uh, one of which was named Shibanga with an X at the start. And the other na- was named Ulysses, spelled U-L-I for no reason. Huh. So there you go. Uh, well, the next time we're going to meet, uh, I don't know if anybody's going to be our guest for this one. I think it's a movie called Running with the Devil. Uh-huh. <laughs> it had better be just a narrative uh, version of the Van Halen song. <laughs> I, 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 I hope that one of them is living their life like there's no tomorrow, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that they use the song in the movie. Otherwise, what a waste. They have to. They have to. All right. Um, but till then, Jake, thank you for coming on to this episode. Was it better than the other one? Uh, it's a be- it is a much better movie than uh, than Vengeance for Love Story. I was, uh, really, really couldn't believe uh, we would see a better movie than Vengeance for Love Story. But somehow we did it. <laughs> somehow yeah um thank you for having me back this was really fun uh do you have any do you have anything you want to plug before you before we go uh yeah follow uh follow my radical editing collective uh at racer trash on twitter and uh what so you can be informed on all of our whatever our next screening is of our our vaporwave recut of a movie yeah if you like color out of space but you wished that you were instead watching, um, I don't know, Speed Racer, and it looked like that. Uh, then, yeah, follow Racer Trash. Oh boy, the colors are out of space yeah. in, uh, in Racer Trash. <laughs> Racer Trash has actually found the purple that the aliens use and, and use it in some of their vapor uh, recuts. <laughs> the last bit of business, uh, will you give us a panther roar on your way out? Didn't I do this the last time? Yeah, you just cut it, cut, just, just cut, just cut it no in. Way. No, 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 right? Well, you were a different panther that time. You were a panther in the middle of a <laughs> pandemic, and now, just to set the scene, um, you are waking up in your den, and um, you just had strange dreams filled with uh, alien purple, and uh, you you come out of your cave, rubbing your eyes. And, and the world is uh, sort of coming back to normal. You're seeing panthers out, not wearing masks, and, and um, uh, dining together down at the, the watering hole on uh, Caribou or whatever. And um, you, you sort of shake off some of the otherworldly dream, and you let out a roar that lets all the other panthers know that, you're, that we're back, baby. It's 2021, and, and you're ready to go. Let's hear it. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! <laughs> Thank you, Jake. Thanks so much. I'm just vibing, vibing. I'm just vibing, vibing, vibing.